for everything for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome into another edition of the blue horseshoe podcast george bremer ryan hickey here with you and george this is a very very special podcast because it's you smell that it's game week Finally, on Sunday, we have someone look forward to the regular season is basically here week number one against the Texans, just now a few days away here with your season preview. We will be today kind of looking at the Colts from a a general photo or a general picture of how they will be this season. Give our, our thoughts and projections, give you some MVPs offensively, defensively. And heading into this 2022 season, discuss where the Colts rank in a very loaded and very deep AFC, and also where they rank in the AFC South as well. But George, we have made it, man. Training camp has come and gone. The offseason that feels endless is now over, and we are finally here days away for some real football that counts being played. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's been a very eventful offseason. Of course, you think back all the way back to January and that loss in Jacksonville and where the franchise was then and how different things are now, both in terms of on the field physically, but also uh, just the energy around this team right now, I think is completely different. Uh, But now one of those uh, strange, there's, there's so many strange stats around this team. Maybe the strangest is is this opening week losing streak. Uh, I think it's third all time in in NFL history, losing eight in a row, Uh, which, and if you look at the other teams that have done it, it's teams that are like consistently picking in the top 10. Colts have made the playoffs several times. They went to the AFC Championship game after one of these losses. It is insane. Uh, it, it's one of the more inexplicable things. And so they're going to go to Houston on Sunday and try to end this. But, you know, there's a lot more uh, intrigue than you would think for an opening week against the Houston Texans. Absolutely, George. And before we start looking ahead, well, first of all, thank God for the Cleveland Browns, which are at what, I think 17 or 18 losing uh, openers in a row. So the Colts still have a very long way to break the record if things do go south on Saturday for sure or on Sunday for sure. Uh, But one of the things you mentioned just before, George, before we get into the season, start looking at, you know, ahead, I think it is important to look back because this offseason, for the most part, for Colts standards recently, has been pretty much uneventful, right? I would say that the biggest question mark or the biggest talking point has been Shaquille Leonard's name change slash health. Otherwise, there's been no drama or uh, random quarterback injuries. Not Thankfully, knocking wood, everyone's been healthy so far. It's been what would you consider a, a pretty boring offseason, which is a huge, huge win for the Colts. Yeah, it was a boring training camp. And after last year, I think that was very welcome. I mean, there, you know, there weren't any odd ankle injuries. They didn't have to go into any medical books and <laughs> look up things that you'd never heard of before. Uh, and it's there's no question this is Matt Ryan's team. You know, not that last year there wasn't a question about it being Carson Wentz's team, but he wasn't there. He missed almost all training camp. And I think even at this time, we were still talking about COVID situation and whether he'd be ready to go. It was chaos from from really day one of training camp. And, and this time around, uh, it's been all business. You know, I don't know any other way to put it. They've got everything. So I think the biggest position battle, quote, surprise, whatever you want to call it, Nick Cross winning the, the strong safety job. That's probably the biggest offseason storyline as far as the roster goes. And that's a pretty good place to be compared to where they were a year ago. 
Absolutely, and it's it's nice that the drama is around play on the field instead of injuries, forcing other guys in action. Like you said, just random injuries you never heard of and trying to see how guys like Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson last year were progressing for sure. So no drama, thankfully, heading into week number one, unlike this time last year, getting ready for that Seahawks game uh, in the opener. So now looking ahead, George, 17-game schedule. Record-wise, if we do our record predictions for the Colts in 2022, what is your number? What are you looking at here? Yeah, I tell you, I keep going back and forth because, uh, for one thing, you get that weird opening week stat. Week two, you've got another weird stat. They haven't won at Jacksonville since 2014, uh, and you got to balance that against what you think this team can do. I think realistically, this can be a 12 and five football team. I think if they if they live up to their expectations, uh, they stay relatively healthy. You're going to have adversity. There's going to be things that go wrong. We know that. Uh, there's probably going to be at least one game you shake your head at. Every team in the league seems to have one loss a year that, that you just can't figure out. Um, I think 12 and five is a realistic goal for this team. And I think it's where they ought to be aiming, honestly. I like it. I, I'm going 11 and six in part because I was kind of back and forth between 11 and 12. And then you're right. It's just kind of one of those. There's always one of those games that's just like, oh, no way they'll lose. They end up losing and, and maybe balance out with one game. They'll win. No one sees coming. So I settled that 11 and six. But either way, 11 and six, 12 and five, that is and, and should be good enough to win this division. That absolutely should be right where this Colts team is. Like, I don't think you look, look through their schedule and you kind of look at where this team is. That's unrealistic. Like they do play. Outside of the AFC West, which is going to be the best division in the NFL this year, they do have a lot of teams that are either right at their level that they're equal with or better than. You know, we've talked about a lot so far this opening, you know, first seven games. We play five divisional opponents in seven games. But, you know, even past that, you have the Commanders and Carson Wentz come back town. You should win that game. The Patriots right now, who the hell knows who's going to be calling their plays? The Raiders have been getting a lot of hype. But, I mean, honestly, I know the Raiders won last year. I'm not really scared of the Raiders, to be honest with you, George, going to Las Vegas. That's, you know, a game the Colts should win. You, you know, later on in the year, you play the Giants. You have teams like the Eagles, the Steelers, the Cowboys. These are all teams either right at the Colts level or slightly below, where, again, this should be the year that they finally not just come through with, with a winning record and start out hot, but also live up to expectations for the first time in a long time. And I think it starts right away in week one. I think that's what's so exciting about the way this schedule sets up. You look at it, it's it's not a murderer's row. There's a lot of winnable games on here. There's also a lot of losable games if you don't do things the right way. Uh, but I think it's great because you're starting out with these two. You almost have to exercise two demons right out of the gate. And I think you're going to learn a lot about this team. You don't normally say that when you're facing two lower division opponents like this in the, in the, in the to start off. But I think we're going to learn a lot about this team in the first two weeks and certainly in the first seven weeks. They need a hot start. They need to, to live up to expectation. You put it perfectly. I mean, this is a, a team the last four or five years, really high expectations, and then they find a way somewhere along the road to, to the wheels come off, and they, they don't close. You know, we talked about that last week. It's all about closing, whether that's in games, whether it's in practices, whether it's in the season. That should be the theme for this year, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, that's why you bring Matt Ryan. We'll talk about him and his addition here in a little bit. But that's in part why you bring Matt Ryan to this team to do what you couldn't do last year and have struggled even, you know, in 2018 with Jacob Brissett when they got off to a hot start, close games and close the season strong. And it's why, especially from where I said Georgia, you know, a national perspective here, no one nationally is talking about really the Colts right now, especially their, their week one game because it's 
oh, it's a Texans. Who cares? You know, the, the streak is a streak. The Texans stink. You'll beat them. Week two, all oh, the Jaguars and Jacksonville. Who cares? You haven't won there since 2014. You know, a lot of people are already penciling in the Colts 2-0. and And obviously, like you said, we know just how uh, almost fickle of an exercise that is with just the mind-boggling losses in week one the Colts have had and their inability to beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville for whatever reason that there is. But it's your right. For how, on a national level, how almost small these two games appear against two of the worst teams in the AFC and two of the worst teams in the NFL heading into 2022, this is a major almost kind of great way to kind of set the season forward and say, hey, this year is different. You know, we're not going to get ourselves on a one and five or two and six hole again. We are coming out and making a statement. And it's weird to say Texans, Jaguars, statement games. But you're right. If the Colts come out of here two and oh, going back home, take on the Chiefs week three, I'm looking at this team a whole hell of a lot differently this year and the rest of the season than maybe even going in because now it's almost, I think at this point, they have to really do have to put on the field to show instead of just kind of believing without seeing it. But I will say, again, it sounds very, um, almost doesn't make any sense to think Texans-Jaguars statement games. Those are two big games where if you're 2-0, and you're feeling a lot better about this team than you really would be just looking at the teams on paper. Yeah, I mean, you you go back to 2020 and people are saying the same things about going down to Jacksonville for season opener. Oh, streak's going to end here. You know, they're going to end two streaks in one game and and it's going to be over. And they start off on fire in that game. And then Marlon Mack gets hurt and they look like they don't know how to to respond to that. And they lose the football game. And it's the only game Jacksonville wins all season. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You you really can't. Like, and I. I think I have to go back and double check this, but I think they haven't been two and zero since two thousand nine. They they you know so many times they haven't been one and zero. I don't think they've right. been two and zero since two thousand nine. Uh, that would be a huge step for this team. I know the competition, I know the outside view, uh, but that would be huge for this football team to to get those things off their back and and to put up you know a truly hot start for the first time in what thirteen years. Right, truly plant the flag. This team is different than years past, for sure. One part of the schedule I'm looking at, George, that's intriguing to me, because we've talked a lot so far the first seven weeks you play your division five times. That's a huge statement right away to get off on a good foot. If you're sitting there after seven games at four and three, I think we're feeling pretty good about this team moving forward in the direction that they have to go in. But when I look to later on in the season, when you look at this uh, Colts schedule from weeks nine to uh, nine to 13, they play at the Patriots, at the Raiders, Eagles, Steelers, at Cowboys. That's a you know equally as pivotal of a stretch, I think, at least you know compared to the first seven games. Those are all teams right there that you are either better than or will be competing against on the same kind of skill level. And the Colts should win. You know, out of those five games, three and two, I think at worst. I mean, they're better than the Steelers. They're better than the Cowboys. They're better than the Patriots. Again, I still think they're better than the Raiders. I'm not really all in on the Raiders like a lot of other people are. And the Eagles, same thing. Like. This should be, I think, three and two or worse at his five-game stretch. But even after that first seven games, I think this is going to be a pivotal five-game stretch to kind of see where the Colts are in terms of cruising their division and, you know, kind of a, a, a almost a chance to look ahead and see where's this team stack up and what is going to be a loaded AFC where you're racing to get the highest seed possible to give yourself some sort of home field advantage in the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting, too, because it's, it feels like in recent years, they've had a lot of division games late in the year. They're all obviously at the start now. And so when we look at that kind of stretch in November or December, it usually was like trying to catch up in the division. You, you had a bunch of games with Tennessee and Houston and Jacksonville in that in that role. Now it's not. And I think that's going to be intriguing because, you know, 
and before, I think a lot of times when they had these comebacks from one and four starts or one and five starts or whatever, that's how they did it. They made up ground head to head in the division. This year, you're not going to have that opportunity. I think it, it makes that first seven games even more important because you're not going to be able to pick it up later. But that stretch, I, I completely agree with you. That's a spot where you feel like you can get hot for the playoffs. You hear that every year. Hey, whoever gets hot going into the tournament, Cincinnati proved it last year, mm-hmm. got hot around that time of year, all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, really probably should have won that game. I mean, the way the way it turned out, they, these are one defensive stand shy of, of you know ho- hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. I think it's a similar situation for the Colts this year. When you look at that stretch, there's a chance to get hot and, and to you know get your team firing all cylinders going in. Uh, it'll be really interesting. The other thing to me that's always interesting is we sit here every year, you know, in September, and you look at the schedule and you feel one way about it. And by the time those games come around in November, sometimes it's a completely different. Right. You know, all those teams are different than you expected and both ways, either it's harder than you thought or it's, you know, it's, it's even an easier road. So uh, I think that's, what's always intriguing with this team. November, December has been when they haven't gotten it done. I mean, they haven't started well, obviously we've been over that a lot just here today, uh, but they haven't finished well either. You know, they, they, they end up losing games that that you've got to win. I mean, how many times in recent years have they had a, a late, either like November or early December home game against either Houston or Tennessee and lost it. And it determines the division. You know, you've, you've got to clean that up as well. The focus is on the start and that's where we are right now. So obviously that's what the focus is going to be, but they've had just as much problems with letting winnable games get away towards the end of the year. That's a great point too, George. Cause you're right. The first, like the more you think about it, look at the schedule, it does really kind of, for this 2022 team specifically, does kind of present the opportunity to really kind of, you know, exercise their demons. Because you're right, when you start with the division, you play five out of the six division games within the first seven games of the season. So right away now, right, in order to win the Super Bowl, in order to be a legitimate contender, well, you first got to take care of your division. That's what some of the Colts have struggled to do. They've, you know, been, you know, they, they, that, that, yeah, that's a big area for them, even just winning the division before we even get to, you know, being a legitimate Super Bowl team. So you right away get to kind of, plant your flag and kind of make a statement to the rest of the AFC South that this Colts team is legit and they're, you know, different than past years or kind of the same old, same old. If we're sitting here three and, you know, three and four, two, you know, two and six uh, or two and five after those first seven games and you get swept maybe by the Tennessee Titans or something like that and you lose a game to the Jaguars again, it's the same old Colts. And then, like you said, now you're digging back out of another hole, which they've done now a ton and to their credit, They've done so twice, but also at the same time, that leaves you exhausted come playoff time, especially in early January when you run out of gas. So if you're able to take care of your divisional opponents early in those first seven games, that little mini stretch of five games from week nine to 13 when you're playing teams kind of around your skill level, that's a great chance to see where you match up against the rest of the NFL and against the rest of the AFC to kind of truly say, all right, where are we in terms of the pecking order of the AFC? But you're right, in order to get to that point where now you're starting to talk about, all right, we got the division, we got a lock on, and now let's start seeing where we kind of stand, where everyone else, you got to take care of the division first, which is going to be a great opportunity in the first seven weeks to kind of either put that division away or at least put a stranglehold on it. Or again, have us have the same conversation we had the last few years of Colts on paper should be the most talented team to win this division, yet here they are, you know, looking up at the standings yet again after another slow start. It's it's been the same song over and over again, and they really have to avoid it this year. You say it every year, but the schedule, the way it's set up, like you said, there, there's no choice. You can't get off to a slow start this year. You don't have the makeup ground. There there aren't a bunch of division games later in the year to get back into it. 
it's it's almost now or never at the start of the season for him. Like you, you got to get it done. I imagine how how differently the season plays out if they get off to a hot start. What if they're five and two after those seven games and you've won at least one of the two Tennessee games? You're probably feeling pretty good about the division, which has been rare around here recently. And you can start focusing on more seeding and things like that. They haven't had that luxury in a long time. Right. And then if you're five and two, maybe either you're, you know, five and no in the division or one of those losses are in division, but you beat a team like the Chiefs or the Broncos. And it's like, okay, wow, that's a legitimate team in the AFC. Like you're feeling pretty good about yourself now going to the rest of the schedule, right? If you kind of build that momentum early, which they've really struggled to do under Frank Reich so far, really outside of, of 2020. But even then, it was a little bit of a, a different start there as well. When we return on the season preview edition of the Blue Horseshoe podcast, give a little awards. Who will be the offensive MVP for the Colts this season? Defensively, who will their best player need to be? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe podcast. As always, subscribe and download wherever you get your podcast. We keep you updated on all things Colts football three times a week as now we are in season. So, George, we gave you the record for this season for the Colts. I'm saying 11 and 6. You're going 12 and 5. How about now in order to get there, right, which players will the Colts have to rely on? Who will kind of step up and be the guy on offensive, on the offensive end of the ball and the defensive end of the ball as well? Offensive MVP. Who will get that award in your opinion this year? I think Matt Ryan. I mean, it all starts with him. He's kind of the obvious choice here, but it all starts with him. I mean, all of the conversation in the offseason was about the quarterback, right? Is Carson Wentz coming back? Is he not? Once he's gone, what are they going to do at this position? How are they going to fill this hole? You end up with, I don't think, a situation anyone foresaw coming uh, where, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation kind of popped open Matt Ryan with Atlanta and an Atlanta guy who honestly wasn't on their radar because I think he was somebody they thought was out of reach. And now he's got to come in here and he's got to raise the level of this offense. And like we talked about before, it is it is a big task, but I don't know if it's as big as, as it might appear from the outside. They were 26th last year in passing offense, 26th, and they still should have made the playoffs. And if you beat the worst team in the league on the last game of the regular season, you're still a postseason team with a 26th ranked passing offense. If you can just improve the middle of the pack, if you can just be somewhere between like 12 and 15, it would it would really lift this theme up. It would open so much more for Jonathan Taylor. You know, I, I don't think it's a big ask on, on Matt Ryan's part. I don't think he has to be Superman. He just has to come in here and keep things rolling efficiently. I think that's the biggest key on offense is efficiency. You know, moving the chains, not getting into those situations where it's second and 12 and third and 17 and all this nonsense that you saw a year ago because things just – came unglued, you know, and, and now all of a sudden you're punting on eight straight possessions and you're in all kinds of trouble. I think with him, it's accuracy, right? I mean, that's the number one thing, timing and accuracy with him, but that accuracy, I think is going to open up some run after catch plays for the, for the receivers. That's how the offense is going to change. If he's able to do those things, you're going to look back at the end of the year and say, Matt Ryan was the most important player on this offense. It is amazing to see, George, you look back at last year, some of the stats of where they rank statistically. Ninth in points per game in the NFL, 26.5 points. 13th in, in DVOA in terms of offensive efficiency. And it's to your point, it's they were 26th in passing. So that just shows you how much Jonathan Taylor carried this team and, and made up for it when Carson went to struggled. For my offensive MVP, I like where you are. I'm going to kind of go down that similar a similar path. I'm going to go Michael Pittman Jr., because, you, like you said, Matt Ryan, all, I think already addition by subtraction in terms of getting rid of Carson Wentz and now bringing Matt Ryan in, 
his strengths are over the middle of the field. And like you mentioned, the E word efficiency. And now a, a large part of the cold season last year, really where games were won and lost. We talk about what in the fourth quarter, closing out games. Well, part of that has to do with converting third downs and keeping, you know, the drive alive. That was an area where Carson Wentz really, really struggled last year. When you bring Matt Ryan in, you know, he's not going to exactly light the, you know, light the world on fire in terms of throwing the ball deep and, you know, kill you with like Patrick Holmes does with three or four or five deep shots a game, right? He is efficiency, finding the guy. I think Michael Pittman Jr., when you have this inexperienced wide receiver and tight end room with really no one, no one having the role before that they're going to be asked to do this year. Right? Alec Cox has never been a number one tight end, especially in the past game. Alec Pierce's rookie, Paris Campbell's never really been on the field. Ashton Doolin is more of a special teamer than a reliable wide receiver. So this year going into when you have the tight ends and the running back uh, receivers, and even Naeem Hines in a sense where I think his workload from the receiver aspect is going to be even more uh, on his plate than in years past. You are now asking almost everyone outside of Jonathan Taylor to do more than they've ever been asked before. So that's where it comes down to Michael Pittman Jr. kind of stepping up and being that reliable target for Matt Ryan. Because in twofold, number one, they'll help convert those third downs. He's a big physical wide receiver. You need, you know, a third and six. You run a slant. I feel pretty good about Michael Pittman Jr. winning that one-on-one, making the catch. We've seen in the preseason a little bit. Colts receivers kind of struggling off the press. They're going to face that a lot this year. That's a guy that, you know, you want winning those battles and kind of pushing the defense back. But also, too, you got to think, George, and Michael Pittman Jr. is the main target. And he's going off and, you know, can have over, you know, 100 catches, maybe 12, 1,300 receiving yards. But that's going to also open up looks for everyone else. You know, that's going to now take the defense's focus, put them on him. And now all of a sudden, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, Mo Alley Cox, Kyle Granson, Jelani Woods, Naeem Hines, all should get you know, better looks, better matchups that they should be able to take advantage of. So I love the Matt Ryan offensive pick because you're right. For how good Jonathan Taylor was, no disrespect to him in terms of neither of us picking him to be the MVP. We saw last year, best running back in the NFL, number one in rushing. The Colts had the second best rushing attack in all the NFL last year, still missed the playoffs. So it's like for how great Jonathan Taylor was, you need that passing game to step up and be better, which is why I'm with you. I'm going in the passing game direction. I'll go Michael Pittman Jr., but I love your pick with Matt Ryan because they're going to need really both this year to have really good years, and that's going to kind of be the difference between sitting at home in January or hosting a playoff game. And I think you doubt it with Pittman because it's so important that he is you know, who they expect him to be because no one else has done anything close to the role that, that, that they're looking at right now. He maybe wasn't the number one guy at the beginning of the year last year, but he definitely was as the year went on and, and early in the season. I mean, you know, T.Y. Hilton had that neck injury and he kind of got thrown in. Pittman kind of got thrown into that role faster than they expected. And he responded really well. They need if he has a bad year, this offense is in trouble. I mean, I think oh, from yeah. that standpoint, absolutely is the case. I totally agree. I'm just curious behind Pittman, who needs to have a better year for the Colts, Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce? I almost want to say Paris Campbell. I think Alec Pierce is a rookie and you're going to get what you get from a rookie. He's going to have ups and downs. I mean, that that's what life is like, right? Unless you're Jamar Chase, you, you come in and as a rookie receiver and you learn the game. And I, I think not that he's not going to be impactful. I think he's going to, he's got a role and I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders and he's going to be a, a solid player for this team. But I feel like Paris Campbell's the guy that if, if you could get the guy they envision, the guy that they've seen flashes of a game here, a game there, if you could get him for 15 games this year, it really changes everything about your offense. And I'm with you because of also what he brings, right? Not that Alec Pierce is that he's pretty similar. I'll say to Michael Pittman Jr. in terms of 
the the role he's going to play and kind of the routes he's going to run. But you look at Paris Campbell, he is supposed to be the speedster, right? He is the, when you talk about the guy, you know, Frank Reich envisioned when he was patting the table a few years ago to get him in the draft out of Ohio State. He is that kind of guy that could take an underneath screen and, and break a tackle and go 60 yards and just run by everyone. Or is the kind of guy that, you know, in the slot can line up and just go deep and Matt Ryan can hit him on, on, on a deep ball and open, you know, to the top of the defense. He provides an element this offense really doesn't have and really hasn't seen for the most part. Ashton Doolin here and there was able to top take the top off, but not on a consistent basis. If you have, like you said, Paris came out there for 15 games and he's able to bring that deep threat dimension, just the threat even alone. Now I think that's enough for Matt Ryan to kind of pick some other, you know, targets and kind of pick apart a defense. That will be huge for this Colts office, kind of take some pressure off. And again, make it easier to convert, make it easier to keep the drives going and just ground up, you know, grind up clock. And that's what they're going to be kind of a, I'll say a, a plotting offense per se, but they're not going to be an explosive four play 75 yard, you know, drive for a touchdown team that often. It's going to be more, mm-hmm eight plays, 10 plays, 12 plays, you know, and that, you know, that deep threat of Paris Campbell can open up, you know, other holes and either maybe turn a drive around quickly or again, open up, you know, seams for others, take advantage. So I'm with you there, Paris Campbell, in terms of importance in that number two receiver role, definitely has to make a a little bit more of an impact than Alec Pierce for sure. How about on the other side of the ball, George, defensively? New additions to fun Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe, Shaquille Leonard, seemingly last week was saying that he's the, you know, he should feel the healthiest this year than he's ever been, which is a scary thought. A lot of good options here for defensive MVP. Who is your pick? I'm going to go with Yannick Ngakwe. I think we've talked about that before a little bit. Uh, I just think it all comes down to the pass rush. I, th- I think a lot of the rest of this defense, I don't have a lot of questions about. You look at that back seven. Uh, they're, they're pretty solid. You know, linebackers look really good. There's good depth there. They're, they're going to fly to the ball and make tackles. You know that Leonard's going to be out there knocking the ball loose, forcing turnovers. I think the secondary might be the best since maybe the Peyton era. I mean, I, I, it's, it's really a good look on paper with, with Gilmore obviously being that, that lockdown guy they haven't had in a long time. It's certainly Vontae Davis is the last guy anywhere close to that uh, in this building. And then, I think the young guys in that secondary are very exciting. Julian Blackman, Nick Cross, I think have a chance to have big years. I think Isaiah Rogers Sr. is a guy who is going to look good. You know, he's not going to maybe be out there all the time, but I think he's going to really maximize like he did a year ago. He's going to maximize the opportunities he gets. The question is, last year, that pass rush undid the defense. You know, to, to the extent that they had these comebacks and the problems that they had, they almost always centered around letting a quarterback get too comfortable and get into a rhythm and pick them apart. And to me, Ngakwe is the guy that, that can change that. If he, if he's the consistent player he's been throughout his career in the NFL, you know, you're talking about, they, they had Justin Houston for one year who was kind of a double digit sack guy. I think you got to go after that. You might have to go back to like, I'm not even sure Eric Waldron, maybe. I mean, it, it's oh, been a yeah. really, really long time Sheesh. since you've had that double-digit sack guy uh, who can come out there and, and and make that difference. And I think that's that's why they brought Ngakwe in here. That's what he, you know, he's great in the community. What he's done in terms of the schools and 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 food services and everything else has been incredible. You can't measure that. The reason he's here from a football standpoint is to to make this pass rush something the other team has to worry about. And hopefully, he opens up Quiddy Pay. And the two of them give, you know, some room for, for DeForest Buckner and you can get to quarterbacks. I, I feel like that's, that's been the Achilles heel for this team for the last four years, at least. And Ngakwe is the key to changing that. 
I love that. I'm sticking kind of in the same thing because you're right. This Colts defense and the success or lack thereof is going to come down to this front fork, especially like I said, we've talked about before the back seven linebackers and secondary two of the positions I feel, you know, the most sure of, uh, I would argue going into the season. Cause like I said, there's so much talent there. They played really well. Linebacker secondary, good mix of, you know, young guys plus experienced veterans. So in that, with that in mind, I'm going to go to Forrest Buckner. Because kind of for a similar reason, like I said, the Colts have to get a pass rush this year. And Gakwe is going to help on the outside for sure. But with with DeForest, he does two things. Number one, we've seen in the preseason that the Colts have struggled in the run game so far. That's an area where if teams are able to establish the run and now there's balance on the opposing offense, it's going to be tough to slow down. That's going to take, you know, responsibilities and attention away from Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard, excuse me and make it tougher on the secondary if you don't know, you know, what, which play is coming at you. So the Colts have to stop their own, which is going to be a huge part in the interior with DeForest Buckner there. But also, too, we have seen with the great quarterbacks the Colts are playing this year, you know, Russell Wilson, you have Justin Herbert, you're going to go against Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Tannehill's mobile, and his mobility more has kind of hurt the Colts' legs more than even just his arm in the past few years when it's not Derrick Henry. To keep these guys in the pocket, slow them down. You got Dak Prescott's another guy that can make plays outside the pocket. I know Tom Brady is not as mobile as any of these other guys I mentioned. But we've seen with Tom Brady, the biggest bugaboo for him is that pressure up the middle. It's tough. You know, it kind of gets your face. It's uncomfortable. If DeForest Buckner, along with Grover Stewart, are, are able to consistently kind of cause pressure um, up the middle, you can have Ngakwe. You can have Quiddy Pay kind of closing in. All of a sudden, there's nowhere to go. That pocket just collapses, and the time you think you have is all of a sudden gone. That's going to be a huge key for the Colts to not only slow down the run that's been, you know, kind of killing them so far in the preseason, but get that interior pressure that makes a lot of young quarterbacks, a lot of mobile quarterbacks, you know, uncomfortable because now there's there's no kind of out, out of the pocket like you can get maybe if you duck under a defensive end. So I'm going to go to Forrest Buckner, but I'm with you in terms of when you look at this Colts defense, their success or lack thereof is going to come down to those front four. Can you generate pressure and can you stop the run? And I think that that run defense is going to get tested right away. I mean, you look at oh, Houston, yeah. they're going to try to establish that. And Pep Hamilton's history, he wants to be physical up front. You know, he wants to establish that run game. They're not going to put this game on, in Davis Mills' hands. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to attack what's a perceived weakness of this defense. And I think Buckner and Stewart are going to be big right from the word go on Sunday. Titans twice in the first seven weeks. The Broncos are a team that likes to establish run, have good balance on offense. Like you said, that those first seven games are going to be key in part because we'll see right away, like you said, that Colts run defense, can they stand the test or is this going to be a liability all season long for sure? All right, when we return on the Blue Horseshoe podcast, we've talked about the Colts record. We've talked about, you know, who needs to play well on offensive defense. But now as you start to get ready for the 2022 season, where do the Colts stand in division? And where do the Colts stand in a loaded AFC? Are they the top four team in the AFC? Top six team? There are some interesting thoughts out there that I want to, we'll, we'll give you when we do return to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast game week. Colts, Texans, a few days away. This is our season preview edition of the uh, Blue Horseshoe Podcast. George, looking ahead now, looking at the division, you have picked the Colts to win the division. I have picked the Colts to win the division. People that are, I would say, smarter than us, would you say Las Vegas? Would that be a, a trustworthy source for uh, for sports info and predictions? Yeah, they kind of base their living on that, so I would go with them. They are, you're right, pretty good and pretty accurate. There are some interesting numbers coming this week from BetMGM. They have revealed which teams have gotten the most money, who have gotten the most tickets on them in terms of each team to win each division. 
When you go to the AFC South, according to BetMGM, they have received the most tickets to win the division on the Colts, 50% of all bets made ticket-wise on the AFC South winner have been on the Colts. And when you look at the most money coming in on a team to win the division, 75% of the money coming in to win the AFC South is on the Colts. I think there's also a theme here, George, because there is one last uh, little trigger they have. The biggest liability in the division, ironically or not, it's the Colts. The Sharps are high on the Colts. Are they right? We'll see. I mean, I tend to agree with them, you know, and I think that they, that's what they do. They study this, you know, they 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 put their lives around this. So we're not talking about people just throwing darts right now. These are people who, you know, this is how they make their their living. Uh, and they're saying Indianapolis is going to win the division. And I think you can see why. Um, I think the Harold Landry injury, I, I'd love to know how much of this came in late. I mean, the A.J. Brown thing we talked about earlier. Um, and, and how that could affect the Titans. But I think the Harold Landry injury is another big blow for Tennessee. You know, now you've got Bud Dupree kind of on his own out there on the edge. And this is a very good defense. I think it's a very underrated defense. But they lost a really big piece of that defense uh, before the season started. And I people look at these things, and I think they feel like they have confidence in Indianapolis. But I think the one thing the Colts have said consistently this spring, after last year you had seven Pro Bowlers and you didn't make the playoffs, you they understand as well as anybody you've got to get it's got to happen on the field it doesn't matter it's great that the vegas looks at them that way it's great that you and i look at it this way they've got to do it and, and i think they really understand on a level that maybe hasn't been there the last couple of years and everything you could ask for george to go your way has gone your way right the the titans lost their second best offensive player, we'll say, in AJ Brown this offseason. They've lost one of their best defensive players in Harold Landry. Unfortunately, that one's for injury. You're not, you know, happy to see that, but that's still a huge blow on the field. So, two of their most important contributors are now gone. The Colts have shored up their biggest weakness in terms of quarterback, getting Matt Ryan in, Carson Wentz out. The only real advantage I would give Tennessee heading into this season over the Colts is head coach. I think Mike Vrabel's a really damn good coach. And with the, all the injuries they suffered last year, still go 12 and 5 win the division, and get the number one seed in the AFC, I would say he definitely deserves that nod. But otherwise, like I would take Matt Ryan over Ryan Tannehill. You want to say Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry's a wash? Okay, fine. I like the Colts' offensive line better. I know there's questions about right. We've talked to all the questions about the receivers and tight ends. I would still take them over what Tennessee has right now for sure. Defense, I, I would go with the Colts, even though, like you said, Tennessee was a really good defense last year. This has, like, if you're not going to do it this year, George, honestly, I think I might be done picking the Colts to win the division uh, for a very long time. I'm with you. It feels like a now or never season. I mean, when you look at the things that have kind of all stacked in, in the Colts way and they should be motivated. I mean, not that you're not motivated every year, but the way last season ended and, and, and all the streaks that we've been talking about, there should be plenty. They haven't won the division since 2014. You know, that's another one. Every other team in the division has won the division since the last time the Colts won the AFC South. It, it, that should get their attention as well. And it just feels like everything is, is lined up that this is the year. If you don't do it now, you know, when, when are you going to do it? Be a hell of a story. Nice little revenge tour for sure. Right. To kind of write extra slowly exercise all those demons and cross off the list. The season, you know, losing streak cross off the list. The Jaguars uh, losing streak in Jacksonville cross off the list. The division, you know, losing streak as well. This should be the year where I said that, that all, a lot of those streaks do come to an end. The sharps, 
are on the Colts again. 75% of the money coming into BetMGM to win the division are on the Colts. Those guys are no dummies. We are both with them uh, in terms of this year winning the division. And how about the rest of the AFC, George? Because I think it's very interesting. I think we're starting to see a theme here with this Colts team as well. We feel good. But there is still a large variable with this team to where it could be a 12-5 and team. It could be an 8-9 and team. According to BetMGM, they had the Colts in the division of the four teams as the biggest liability. Now, earlier this week, the Athletic put out a little poll, a little article, ranking all the AFC teams 1-16. through 16. They took five NFL front office executives and had them rank each team where they were. So this is the Colts have, you know, five rankings, one from 16. Here's where the five guys ranked them. One ranked the Colts as the fourth best team in the AFC. Another ranked them as the ninth best, fifth best, 12th best, and fourth best. So that is all over the map, George. There is anything right now but a consensus. It's more good than bad. But it kind of goes back to being the biggest wild card in this division and being one of the bigger wild cards in the AFC. That's where this Colts team is in part because there's so many question marks we just aren't sure of right now. Yeah, you know, and I think somebody mentioned in that article the offensive line specifically. And that is, you know, we're going to have to see how that goes. We talked about that a week ago that you really didn't get a look at them in the preseason. Not the five guys were going to start together, not for any kind of extended period of time. Uh, and you wonder, you know, has that offensive line taken a step back? They did not live up to their standard last year. A lot of that was was written down to health. You've got a healthy Quentin Nelson. You've got a healthy Ryan Kelly. You've got a healthy Braden Smith. That should get you back on track, but it's not a guarantee. And I think that's definitely something that that certainly bears watching, is especially early in the year as this starts to unfold. Uh, but again, you know, the, the the positive kind of quote in there was along the lines of what we were talking about, Matt Ryan getting this ball in receivers' hands on time, putting in the right place, letting them make plays after the catch, uh, changes everything for this offense. And I think that's something that that really most people are putting their, their stock in. But I also think some of the volatility is just inherent to the AFC itself right now. I mean, just look at the AFC West. Ranking those four teams, if we get 10 people together, you're probably going to get 10 different orders as yep. far as who's going to win the division, who's last, where they come in. And the whole conference kind of feels that way. There's a lot of teams. You've got some that, that are more heavily favored, like obviously Buffalo and Kansas City and Cincinnati are pretty consistently up at the top as, as potential AFC champs. But you've got this wide group of contenders behind them from like 4 to 12 where the Colts range was. You can probably order those teams just about any way you like and have a really good argument for doing it. Going back to the offensive line, I mean, they get this also too. It's a fair question because I mean, they got manhandled in Jacksonville. Like, there's there's no excuse that that was just you know. There's a lot of blame to go around for that loss. A lot of it has to do with the offensive lines. There was you know they couldn't get any push in that game. So you're right, you know that was the last time we saw this unit fully healthy. I know there's been a little you know there's been some changes around for sure, but not a good showing for sure. You know they have three of the five staples uh, back. When you look around and like you said, the AFC is so tough because there's a lot of good teams here. And a lot, I think, after, you know, the elite teams, let's say like Buffalo and and even, you know, Cincinnati put up there, there's a lot of teams on, on very similar planes. I'm curious your thoughts here, George. We look around. I have the Colts right now heading to the 2022 season. I think they're sixth. I think the Bills are better. I think the Bengals are better. I would put the Chiefs above them. I put the Broncos, and I would say the Chargers. I think those five teams right now are better than the Colts. But when you look around, the Colts, I think, are, are at the same level, if not better than the Ravens. I think they're better than the Dolphins. I think they're better than the Raiders. I, right now, I'm clearly better than the Titans. 
Is that fair? Is there any team that either left out or, or maybe included that you say, ah, I think they're better than the Colts right now when at least in terms of the AFC one through 16 right there at number six? Yeah, I think five or six is right in that range. I mean, Baltimore, you, like you said, you can make an argument with them. Um, I think Baltimore's in a very similar situation to Indianapolis where they feel like they had better talent last year than than the results showed. And I think they're kind of in that same boat. You know, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of things that you can look at over there and feel really good about, especially that defense and that run game. But there's also some questions, you know, can they get a passing game to go? And I think Colts are kind of in that same same zone. I think Tennessee's still really close with them. I think it's it's a really close battle between those teams. Uh, but I really feel like you could, you know, you could take any 10 teams in the AFC and it, it's really the any given Sunday situation. I really think, you know, depending on, on who's clicking that day, there's probably 10 teams that a, a field goal one way or the other determines it. And you're right. And that's when you, too, you look at kind of the landscape of, of the conference here. There is upward mobility for this team. Like really only team right now heading to the year where I can, definitively say yeah, the Colts will probably never be at any point better than them. I would say it's the Bills. I know they smoked them last year, but the Bills, I think, are one of the best teams in all the NFL. But it's like, I could see the Colts, if, if things go there when they, you know, they play up to the level we think they should and kind of things click, I think they could surpass the Bengals this season. I think they could be better than the Chiefs, better than the Broncos, better than the Chargers. Like, that is the good news, at least uh, in terms of, you know, where the AFC is loaded is, Sure, it's going to be tough. And like I said, there's a lot of teams that could play, you know, the, maybe, who knows, the Raiders could be the best team in, in the NFL. We don't, you know, don't see that coming. I'm not sure many people thought the Titans last year would be the number one seed in the AFC when the regular season in for sure. But there definitely is upward mobility for this team. Again, if they take care of their own business where they're not, you know, truly stuck in, let's say, that second tier, they absolutely can rise. And they can, I think, rise pretty high in the AFC if, again, the theme of really the last few years if they can kind of live up to the potential that on paper roster wise should be there for this team. That's I think the Colts and the Titans and the bills have a little bit of an advantage because if you look at the divisions, you would put the South and in the AFC East at the bottom, the, the, the West and the North are, are tougher groups, you know, right now, even without Deshaun Watson, the Browns aren't going to be an easy out every week. Right. And I think when, when you look at that situation, I think there's a chance there. If Buffalo takes care of business, within the AFC East, if either the Colts or the Titans take care of business within the AFC South, that's kind of how Tennessee got that number one seed last year. Take care of the division first, and because there's so much volatility across the the entire landscape of the conference, that could be a really big edge. You know, those AFC West teams are going to beat each other up, and then when they get outside of the division, they're still going to have to face teams like Cincinnati and Baltimore and Cleveland and the Bills and the, Colts, and the Titans you know? and the Colts. You know, so it's I, I think Buffalo, the Colts, Tennessee might have a little bit of an edge in, in that regard. That's a really good point, George, because, right, I mean, come playoff time, if you're exhausted going through the grind and the AFC West lives up to the hype, we think it will. Whoever wins that division, whoever, let's say, gets a wild card or two, I mean, who knows, maybe that could be, a, if the Colts win the division, that could be a team coming into Indy week, you know, a wild card weekend. You're right, that Colts have do have an advantage where they're not grinding it out and kind of their season's not on the line every single week. And for the first and long time, roles were diverse where the Colts are kind of the ones playing for their lives every day and every game because they dig themselves in an early hole. Now they could be on the other side, which is hopefully the theme of the season, George, kind of flipping those narratives here and in those streaks. And for the first time in a long time, kind of like you said, taking care of business, getting off to a hot start. And it's amazing if you do take care of the division, get off to a hot start. Things are setting up really, really nicely for the Colts in division 
and for the rest of the AFC, even with a loaded uh, loaded conference for sure. So the season is a few days away. This is a Colts team, folks. Should be a division winner. Should be hosting at least one playoff game. And again, depending on how the conference does break out and if you can get a few question marks for the Colts answered, there's a lot of upward mobility where they could be making a deep run in the postseason for sure. Very excited. Our next pod will be out on Friday morning. Again, you're all set for the big week one matchup. Colts, Texans, so make sure to be always liking and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And between now and then, follow us on Twitter, at GM Bremers, where you can find George. He'll be at practice every single day this week, giving you all the lowdown, all the updates as the Colts get ready for their first game week of the season. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Game week, George, Texans a few days away. And with that, a few more days closer to answering finally some questions uh, about this Colts team. It's going to be a very interesting, fun season for sure. That was our Colts preview pod right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.